Bad news. Bad news for the state. Bad news for capital. Bad news for patriarchy. Bad news for all forms of domination. Bad news. Angry voices from around the world. Our monthly info show from anarchist and anti-authoritarian radio projects worldwide. If these news are bad, I don't want to be good. Welcome to the 53rd edition of Bad News. The upcoming show contains reports from Frequency A on the case of some youths that are treated as terrorists in Siberia, an interview by Jana Lukner about the racist murder of an employee and the action against in Brazil, and a short update from Free Social Radio 1431 about the youngest piece of dirty work done by the anti-terrorist police in Thessaloniki. And we have some notes from a text about a call for solidarity with Squad Ifanet, which is also facing danger of eviction. Last but not least, A-Radio Berlin presents an interview with an activist shortly after a pregnant person in Poland had to die following the illegalization of abortion in 2020. Towards the end we'll share a few words about anarchist prisoner Sean Swain, who recently lost a finger and is threatened by removal to yet another prison in another state of the so-called US. We hope you enjoy the show and let's dive right in.
For February 2022 edition of Bad News, the contribution from Czerna Lukna Collective from Ljubljana is one part of a larger conversation with an anarchist comrade from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, that was made for our last radio show. The conversation was made in the context of campaign Who Killed Moise that sprang up in Brazil in the aftermath of another murder of a black person in Rio de Janeiro. A few weeks ago, Moise Mugeni Kamagambe was killed in Rio de Janeiro. He was an immigrant from the Congo and was working in a small shop. When he demanded his wages from his boss, he was rejected and was then subsequently beaten to death by five people acting on behalf of the boss. The murder was recorded on CCTV, but initially nothing happened to the perpetrators. But it did spark a strong mobilization in the anti-racist part of the Brazilian society. As new wounds are inflicted on the poor, the popular rage and solidarity again are being expressed as well. The word now goes to our comrade who will help us understand who killed Moise and what all of us can internationally do to support the ongoing struggles against the violence of the state and the bosses. The Brazilian society used to struggle since uh, the beginning of colonization and uh, lot of uh, cases we have rebellions and uh, the formation of quilombos can um, show this for uh, who want to to search about but in this uh, situation specific uh, a long history of struggle of the black movement in Brazil was really important to don't uh, left this case just be hided and forbidden, especially because just now we are knowing this and actually it's happened in uh, between middle and end of January. So just uh, sec uh, two weeks after the murder, uh, this case went to the media. So it just happened because of the pressure of the society and especially the social movements and the black movement in Brazil. And some anarchist movements there are totally connected with the uh, black movement in Brazil, especially because, uh, and talk about Rio de Janeiro, where I'm from, we have uh, uh, around 70% uh, of our uh, population black or uh, mixed, mestizo, uh, like we say. So uh, for us, it's a, a basic point and to be connected with the class struggle. So the anarchist movement there uh, who don't think about gender and of course the race uh, issues, um, I think cannot be taken uh, serious there. And this um, anarchist movement who are connected with the black movement in Brazil, they um are uh, ensure and supporting um this um this movement uh, to to responsabilize the state and of course the other two mothers of uh, Moise uh, again if we uh, borrow the words uh, from the mobilization popular mobilization um, in solidarity with the victims um, of violence in Brazil. Um, who killed Moise then? Yeah, this, this question, um, it's really uh, strong and deep and could be a cliche um, affirmation, but uh, first of all, was the state, always is the state who kill uh, poor and the work classes. 
and the minorities. But you should say in Brazilian black people is not the minority, <laughs> it's the majority. But uh, in social conditions, we are uh, uh, under the uh, the classes. We are the the crowd. And um, the first responsibility for this murder is the state, okay? And the second one, uh, the paramilitary group called the militias and uh, in partnership with the uh, Rio de Janeiro police who hide the, uh, the murders and also treat the family of the killed guy. Threat. Yeah, threat. Sorry, my accent. <laughs> uh, is there something that the international can do about this campaign? For sure. Uh, especially uh, publicizing uh, in your social medias and uh, supporting with the propaganda and also struggling in your in your places um, against the racism and against also the uh, gender uh, oppression. I think this topic cannot be uh, forbidden uh, for our um, anarchist movement. And that's it. Real prison sentence for virtual so-called terrorism. On 10th of February 2022, in Russia, a court has sentenced for terrorism three teenagers from Kansk, a town in the center of Siberia. They were accused for activities including plotting to blow up a virtual Federal Security Services FSB building in the online game Minecraft. Nikita Uvarov, Denis Mihailenko and Bogdan Andreev were arrested in June 2020 while hanging up political leaflets on the local FSB office. These leaflets included slogans such as The FSB is the main terrorist and Support for Azad Miftakhov, another anarchist from Russia who was sentenced to six years in prison in a falsified case. All three anarchists were 14 years old at the time of their arrest. The Eastern Military Court in Krasnoyarsk found Uvarov, Mikhailenka and Andreev guilty in undergoing training for the purpose of carrying out terrorist activities. It was a military court because terrorist cases can only be considered by several military courts in Russia. The process was closed from public due to the age of accused. So the kids can end up in prison but cannot have support or media presence during the trial. Following their arrest, the FSB searched the teens' phones where they found videos of them making pyrotechnics and allegedly throwing Molotov cocktails at the wall, as well as a plot to blow up a virtual FSB building they had built in Minecraft. Denise and Bogdan had admitted their guilt after arrest, which was used in the court. However, they later withdrew their testimonies. Nikita denied his guilt and was placed in a pre-trial detention center where he spent 11 months and he claims to have been subjected to mental and physical pressure to confess his guilt. Nikita Ovarov was sentenced to five years in a penal colony while Denis Mihailenka and Bogdan Andreev were handed three and four years suspended sentences. From the statement of the Azat Miftakhov Committee. Beginning of the quote. 
The Khan's case harkens to the darkest period of the 1930s in the Russian history, when Stalin's great terror sent millions to the Gulag. We condemn this cruel, grotesque and unjust verdict and call for an immediate and unconditional release of Nikita Ovarov. Political persecution of children is a barbaric and shameful practice that has no place in modern civilized society. The Khan's case verdict comes on the heels of a recent report that Azat Miftakhov himself has been denied access by the censors to a basic mathematical textbook. All signs indicate that political repression by Putin's regime continues to intensify. The world should not look away. End of the quote. Solidarity with Kansk anarchists. Freedom to Nikita Ovarov and other anarchist prisoners. Органы, 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 органы. Органы в рясах и органы в погонах. Органы, 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 органы. Органы, органы, органы в погонах. Женский оргазм встречает препоны. Погонами иконами нам замещают стропоны. Мизулина упорно запрещает гандоны. Агония, спазм, стук падающей короны. У страны похлеще, чем она о неврозы. Дума бездумно, бездарны законы. Нет экономики или обороны. А есть Лубянка, лагерь, наручники, заборы Бастрыкин, Сечин, жулики, воры Железные занавесы, кормушки, щеколды Сизо коридоры, режек аккорды В стране авангарда унылые морды, уроды В Мордове оттачиваю гонор Сух бич пакет в Столупинском вагоне Надзиратели морды Органы, 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 органы Органы в рясах и органы в погонах Органы, 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 органы Погоны в головах и погоны на зонах Тополь М президенту замещает органы Свобода больше, не более, лучше не свобода И когда вместо хуев вводят танки в город Я отказываюсь быть протоном Театр закончился, начались войны Я бабушка, которой пришили органы Впрочем, в пизду, господа из органов Отрицаю вас, ваши путинские жаргоны Никогда не знаешь, какой твой прогон станет последним Стоном. Органы, 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 органы. Органы в рясах и органы в погонах. Органы, 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 органы. Органы, зажигая бигфордов.
greetings from Greece from Free Social Radio 1431 of Thessaloniki. At the dawn of the 8th of February 2022, two anarchists, Thanos Hadziankelo and Georgia Bulgari, were arrested by Counter Terrorism Department in Thessaloniki, Greece. The arrest took place after an arson attack at the Institute of National and Religion Concern in the region of Anopoli that caused damage to the entrance of the building. Later that day, the police searched three houses, while later they abducted the third person who was later informed that he was arrested too. The unit searched the workplace of the two arrested people as well. The counter-terrorist unit claimed that the reason for these arrests was an anonymous call which gave them information on Hadziagelu, his political identity and more accusations. The three comrades are accused of establishing a political organization called Organization of Anarchist Action that supposedly connects with 28 attacks at the last six years. They are also accused of the act of explosion, possession, construction and commission of explosive, possession, construction and commission of guns, arson, and attrition of foreign property. On Friday 12th of February, the court decided that they will be pre-carcerated until the start of their trial, which could be up to 18 months. Hadziangelo and Bulgari claimed the political responsibility for the arson, the first one as the one performing the action and the second one as a helping partner, both defending their political identity as anarchists, while the state of Greece does not legally recognize political prisoners, but in reality treats incarcerated anarchists with increased brutality and vindictiveness. The third person claims he has no connection to the attack or the organization, and he is basically prosecuted because he offered his house to Hadziagelu during his quarantine due to COVID-19. In a world of repression, the passion for freedom and the need to attack anything oppressive is stronger than any cage, and the smiles at the faces of those who fight for total liberation in any form gives us strength and determination. Until every cage is empty, until we meet again, nothing less than everything. Comrades, Fabrika Ifanet is a space occupied since 2004 in Thessaloniki, Greece. It was a textile factory that ceased operations in 1967. This space was occupied by hundreds of people through collective decisions on March 20, 2004 and opened after 36 years as an abandoned factory in the city. During all these years, Fabrika Ifanet Plenary has been busy with many different political issues. From the beginning of the project, we decided to speak out against Greek nationalism in the years before and after the 2004 Olympics. With our action, we wanted to show that the prevailing idea of Greece as the American of the Balkans is based on the exploitation of thousands of immigrants. In the years that followed, many of us participated in the dynamic student movement of 2006 till 2007 that blocked the state's educational reforms. Along with thousands of others, we took part in the December 2008 uprising and tried to bring the spirit of this movement to the neighborhoods. 
During the period of struggle against austerity from 2010 to 2012, we participated in neighborhood assemblies that arose parallel to the movement in the squares and tried to oppose the new laws and the cost of living. In 2011, we supported a big hunger strike of 300 migrant workers demanding recognition and in the years since then, we have been part of the fight against the construction of gold mines in Chalkidiki. In recent years, we have focused on action against state policies, against migrants like illegalization, pushbacks, detention centers, and try to oppose the rise of Greek nationalism in the form of the nationalist anti-Macedonian demonstrations. During this time, numerous groups formed around IFANET dealing with issues such as gender oppression, precarious employment, the gentrification of our city and the touristization of its historical memory. Since this touristization poses an obvious threat on the occupied factory, we decided to launch a campaign in its defense. We make the topic known in the city and formulate an initial response to the evacuation plans. Organized jointly by all the groups meeting at IFANET, our campaign included some presentations and events at IFANET, some interventions in the city and a rally in our neighborhood. There are two reasons for our commitment to this issue. On the one hand, the issue of monuments keeps returning to public debate and is a field of controversy that connects to other issues that concern us, such as the gentrification and the change of public spaces. On the other hand, we knew that the newly passed bill concerning the renovation of Elinico, which is an abandoned airport that should become a new hotel and casino project near Athens, paves the way for the demolition of monuments over 100 years old, which are considered dangerous, or we would say unusable, which also applies to IFANET. Unfortunately, our suspicions were confirmed and two months after the publication of a brochure that we published on August 8, the Ministry of Culture announced the decision to demolish parts of the roofs of the IFANET industrial complex in Thessaloniki. This decision puts the legal status of the building on a different basis and threatens its existence. Support Fabrica IFANET for the maintenance work of IFANET and the campaign for the defense and financial support of the squad. For further information, check out ifanet.spivblogs.net. With solidarity, the community of occupation Fabrica IFANET. I'm
κάποιοι έχουν τώρα σκοτωθεί Αώρα της πόλης Αγνία να κλείσει Μέσα τα μάτια ψυχές καμένες Ψυχές κορμισμένες Θα αφήσεις μέσα βγάκια Αώρα της μάσες Σιωπές ανάκαμες με πρόρηση ψήφι Για στο κενό Ως την προσγείωση Ίσως να έχω ξυπνήσει Αώρα της δρόμη Δρόμη στρωμένη Μες στη μέσα αγωνία Μη με ρωτάς Έχω ξεχάσει από καιρό τα χρώματα της ευτυχίας Now we take a look at Poland, where a pregnant person died on the 26th of January, 2022, because they didn't perform an abortion due to its criminalization. Thank you for talking to us today. I would like to ask you some things about this latest piece of news we received from Poland in the context of the pro-choice struggles happening now in Poland, Germany, and around the world. Can you tell us what happened last week? Last week, in Poland, Last week, a pregnant person who was expecting twins died, as did one of the fetuses. The doctors did not want to perform an abortion and waited so long that this person died. The law in Poland has been tightened in 2020, and since then, abortion is practically prohibited. Before that, an abortion would have been possible if the fetus had problems, but this has been prohibited in 2020, that is, about a year and a half ago. What have been the reactions in Poland or internationally? Has there been any kind of response? Of course, this evoked a lot of outrage among various feminist groups, but also from the family itself. This person had three children, who now lack a mother. And a similar case had happened just some weeks or months ago, when a person died shortly before giving birth. In that case, the fetus died too, and they, the doctors, didn't want to perform an abortion, even though she would have been entitled to one, but they didn't, and they waited until she died. This is, of course, and independently of the pregnant person's gender, a misogyny deeply rooted in society that is responsible for such decisions. And this is the reason why there have been such massive protests with the so-called black protests, real strikes in Poland, directed against those kinds of ideas and the intention of tightening this law even further and impeding women from accessing an abortion. Can you tell me about the feminist counter-protests or the feminist resistance? There have been a lot of protests in Poland against this stricter law. And there are lots of activists and activist groups supporting people in Poland to get an abortion. For example, the International Network Abortion Without Borders. This network comprises various different activist groups, mainly from Europe, and they make it possible for people in various countries to get an abortion. For instance, you can order abortion pills to Poland. I'm part of Siosha Basha, an activist group from Berlin that has been active for several years, helping people to get to Berlin to get an abortion here. Okay. Thanks a lot for your work. Is there a way we can support the feminist pro-choice work you're doing as a group? Yes, of course. For one, you can send us money. It helps with, with financing abortions, as we do support people in need of one financially. Or, if you speak Polish, you can write to us, as you could support interpreting work in the clinic. 
or if you have a place to sleep in Berlin that you can offer to us, please do contact us. Kann man uns auch natürlich kontaktieren. How can people contact you? Um, the best choice would be via the email siochabasha at riseup.net. In Deutschland ist die Lage ja ein bisschen anders. Sie ist auch well, in Germany, the situation is a bit different. It's not perfect, as abortions are being criminalized here too, even though they can be exempt from punishment under certain circumstances. Which means that it's not totally legal and there are still a lot of barriers. But it is something which is being paid for and organized by the health insurance and the health services. And of course, this is better as less people die and more people have more control over their lives in terms of family planning. But what interests me as an anarchist, now that Polish and international activists and activist networks are doing such important work to give pregnant people the possibility of an abortion, maybe it is independently of the fact that this is all the expression of a misogynist, patriarchal, hyper-Christian, fundamentalist, statist bullshit. Is it maybe still a positive thing that such an essential infrastructure is self-organized? Would you say that this is a strength of your movement or a specific potential you have? Or would you say that everything is fucked up and that it would still be better if it were organized by the public health services? I think I understand what you mean by self-organized. And there are groups in Poland whose goal is to say, you can do an abortion by yourself. You don't need to go to a doctor. You can do it at home. There are pills for that. There is a lot of knowledge online with pages full of advice. You can do it alone. I think this is a line of reasoning from groups also coming from the fact that they do not have a choice. If you really want to have an abortion in Poland right now, you need to do it with pills. And this is also only possible up to a certain point. But yes, this is part of a movement thriving towards a demedicalization of abortions. And I think it's great to have such a movement. Nonetheless, I still wish this would be taken up by the healthcare system, something you can simply make use of. Because this whole stress, pain, and fear you feel, it's awful. We get calls from really desperate people that are simply scared. And I think if this were more institutionalized, more people would be able to get good and trustworthy information. But it is also a strength of this movement to be able to show, hey, we can do this by ourselves. We don't need you. We can organize this by ourselves. We can support each other. We have the knowledge and can make it. I think this is amazing. Great many thanks for this talk. And many thanks for your work. I wish you the best and of course for all of us in the end of the patriarchy. Ideally tomorrow already. I wish you a nice evening and many thanks for talking to us. Of course. Many thanks to you. Before we are coming to an end with the latest show of Bad News, we want to share a text that was prepared from our comrades at the Final Straw Radio about the situation of anarchist prisoner Sean Swain. This is anarchist prisoner Sean Swain, an exile from Ohio at Buckingham Correctional in Dillon, Virginia. If you are listening, you are the resistance. Anarchist prisoner Sean Swain in the so-called US has had quite a few difficulties recently. Sean has a pending case before the Inter-American Court of Human Rights, run by the Organization of American States, alleging torture and sexual assault by Ohio Department of Corrections, prison staff and administration, and the covering up of those acts in response to Sean's legally protected First Amendment Free Speech Act of writing a critique of the privatization of prison services in Ohio. In 2019, Sean transferred away by Ohio to the Commonwealth of Virginia, where he sat in a low security facility with no trouble. After two years, Sean was recently sent back to the Supermax at Youngstown, when the interstate compact between the two states was revised, and since his arrival, 
Sean has been under threat of another interstate transfer. Most recently it appeared to the state of Maryland. Interstate transfers disrupt the lives of incarcerated folks, lead to lost postal mail, lost personal items and credits on the various for-profit subscription services they pay for. These transfers further separate individuals from their families, friends and linked support and change the rules they have to operate by as each prison system has their own internal laws. Unlike the last time that Sean was transferred out of Ohio, Sean, his lawyer and supporters were able to press the state into providing a hearing to determine if the rendition should happen. After hearing his defense, the panel judging the situation declared that there was not sufficient reason for Sean to be transferred. However, their supervisor, Alina Shepard, overrode the panel's decision and demanded that her underlings find in favor of transferring Sean. In the early morning hours of Wednesday, February the 2nd, Sean has had his finger slammed in the door of his cell and the end was cut off. He spent a week in the infirmary without the ability to communicate with his lawyer or spouse, denied access to his tablet. His supporters then found out that Sean was facing charges in the internal prison kangaroo court system and put into solitary. As of February 18th, Sean's fortunes have appeared to change. Though he's still missing the end of his finger, the Ohio Attorney General has stated that he will not be transferred out of state. Sean has been returned to general population and given access again to his phone. Thanks to the dogged work of his spouse, lawyer and Swaniacs everywhere who harassed the ODRC. Many police officers have been hurt, men and women who are trying to protect democratically elected leaders. Bad news. Angry voices from around the world. Local anarchists and anti-authoritarian radio shows on one spot. Tune in every 15th of the month. More information on a-radio-network.org. What's the revolution to you? <laughs> to kill your bosses and take their money. <laughs>